Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandian. The Word of God tells us we should be submissive to the government, but where do we draw the line? We draw the line when the government tries to come over and be the God side of the coin. Where does the Word of God tell us that? We'll take it up in Acts chapter 4. I know you're going to be blessed today. Let's go to the Word of God together. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and something to take notes with and study the Word of God with Pastor Bob Yandian. Hello and welcome to Student of the Word. I'm Pastor Bob Yandian. Good to have you here today, and especially all those who are faithful watchers. You know, I have people tell me, hey, I've been watching this since it came out. Well, thank you. Others have been watching for months, some for two or three years. And I don't want to leave you out. If this is your first time to ever say, who is this guy talking to me here? I pastored for 33 years. I now have a program here on television and I big, big, big on YouTube. And for those who want to go back and dig out some archives, they're there on YouTube. So again, we're glad to have the new guys here today. And thank you. I trust you'll like it. And you'll hang around and, um, you know, continue to watch it from day to day. And so I want you to turn with that to me to Acts chapter four today. There's there's teachings out today. We're, we're living in the end times. Okay. We haven't got there totally yet. The end times actually began on the day of Pentecost. It should come to pass in the last days. And the last days actually started on the day of Pentecost. But according to Timothy, we are in the last of the last days just before the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Timothy said in his book in chapter four, he said, he said, I beseech you, he said, by the appearing and his kingdom, that's Jesus he's talked about, and his appearing is what we're looking for, and seven years later, his kingdom is gonna be coming. Between those two times, we have the time of the tribulation, and right now, we see the tribulation beginning to come to pass. It hasn't got here yet, but we see that we're on the edges of it, and it's bad now. It's gonna get much worse later, but the, the church will be gone. And people say, well, you know, no, the church is going to withstand all this stuff. We're going to be, we're there will be a middle of it and we're going to be withstanding Satan and all this. And because the Bible says, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Well, think about that. He says, I'll build my church. The church is going to be taken out before the tribulation begins. As long as the church is here, yes, we will stop Satan. We will hold him back. And yes, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. But before the tribulation comes, just as it's ready to start, he'll take the church out of here and we will all have our family reunion in heaven. In the meantime, the family's divided. Uh, I bow my knee to the father of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. We're always gonna be divided until the rapture. This is God's way of getting the entire family together. And that's what it says, we shall all, that's the entire church, all stand before the judgment seat of Christ and for the seven years while the tribulation is going on on the earth, we'll be in heaven going through the judgment or the reward seat of Christ. And again, we are not going to be judged. Our works will be judged and we'll be rewarded after that. We will be fashioned into the bride through that time period of the judgment seat of Christ. And after that's over, we will be fashioned in the bride and we will come back with him. And, Acts, and uh, Revelation chapter 19 tells us that when we come back, we'll be coming back as a bride adorned for her husband. In the meantime, there's talk going on right now and people say, no, we're gonna go through the tribulation, but we're gonna help withstand all these things. And we need to start taking over our governments and all these things in the earth today. I believe in, I, listen, I believe in activism. I believe that we as Christians need to vote. We need to stand up for great people to vote for. And we ultimately need to even run for office ourselves. We need good, not Christians. We 
need disciples that are running for office because the Bible says if we pray for kings and all that have authority over us, we're to pray for two things. Number one, that they will be saved. And number two, they'll come to the full knowledge of the truth. That word epinosis means full knowledge. I mean, that's revelation knowledge, God's knowledge. They come to the full knowledge of the truth. This is what we're praying for. Not for them to just become Christians, but for them to become disciples. What the, the United States needs in Washington is people who will not be swayed people who will be stable. And the only ones that can be stable against the satanic things going on in our country right now and around the world is those who are born again and they have come to the full knowledge of the truth and are able through the word of God to look Satan in the face, all the temptations, all the troubles, all the mess our nation's going through and say it like Jesus did to the devil. It is written, it is written, it is written. So we're coming back today to, you know, people saying, well, we're gonna, we're gonna save the United States. Honestly, I don't believe the United States is coming back. If it does, please, I'll be the first one to tell you I was wrong, but I do not believe the United States is coming back. Jesus is coming back. He's coming back first for his church. And then seven years later, he's coming back to set up his kingdom here on this earth. And we will be going rising to meet Jesus in the air. In the meantime, though, we do not sit down. We don't, we don't just do nothing. And we just live like Christians. We normally do go to church, you know, witness to a few people, things like that. And we go out to eat with people. No, no. We also, on the other hand, get involved and we vote. We go, again, we promote the right candidates, work with for those candidates, work with those candidates. But understand this, it's not up to you to save this nation. And it's not up to you to save the world. That's Jesus Christ himself. He is the savior of the world. Do we have rights and privileges here in this country? Absolutely. But again, what I'm telling you is, is that we're not going to save the world. Jesus is going to do that. And that will come after he has taken us to heaven. And after the tribulation is over, he will come back and establish his kingdom here. In the meantime, what do we do? There's certain scriptures, such as in Romans chapter 13, Timothy tells us some scriptures too. Peter also tells us some scriptures that we are supposed to be submissive to our government. And oftentimes we read those verses and think, well, no matter what they tell us to do, we're supposed to do it. And then, but now we're going to talk about some verses here in Acts chapter 4 of which the disciples, when threatened by the Pharisees and told never to preach again the name of Jesus, stood up against them. And what's this simply saying? There comes a time when if the nation pushes too far, uh, that we have a right to stand up. This is very very similar to what I'm thinking about is there's verse of scripture says wives are to be submissive to their husbands. Now that's as far as things are going good. Even if he's an unbeliever, it says be submissive to him, understand he's the head of the family, but what if he beats you? I mean, the Bible says if he's pleased to dwell with you, well, if he beats you, he's not very pleased to dwell with you. And on top of that, you better get out of there to save your own life. And in that case, God will allow divorce. And what about adultery? Uh, well, I'm supposed to be submissive to him while he's running around with other women. No, the Bible says that adultery is a proper uh, thing for divorce in, in a marriage when one will not change. If they keep on going and refuse to change, then no, it's a time to leave them. God has somebody better for you out there. So again, yes, that verse, uh, be submissive to your husbands? It, yes, generally, yes. But when it passes certain points, you have to say, wait a minute, the same thing is true with our nation. When it says in there, be submissive to your governments, obey the laws of the land, pay your taxes, things like that. Yes, I will. But there comes a certain point, as in this case, where they say, no, you can't preach again in the name of Jesus, just like they told in the Old Testament 
that the prophets could not, they had to bow down to these idols and all these different things. And we have that. And so we have Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they did not bow down before that, that God, and they were thrown into a fiery den, and yet they didn't burn up. God protected their lives. Others, though, in the Old Testament, where they were told not to uh, preach again in the name of Jesus, and they were to bow down to these foreign gods, and they wouldn't do it, and they were killed, they were martyred. But again, we find it. And so, again, in the Old Testament, these are found there. Daniel was one, too, that when told to bow down to this God, he would not do it. And so they threw him in the lion's den. But yet he came out afterwards, and he was fine. And so he proved and stood with it. And so this is the same thing with us today. And so in Acts chapter 3 and in Acts chapter 4, we have a story of a man at the gate, beautiful, that was healed. And because he was healed, many thousands received Jesus as Savior. In Acts chapter 2, Peter preached a sermon on the day of Pentecost of which it says that 3,000 devout Jews out of every nation under heaven were saved, received Jesus as Savior, and those 3,000 continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, prayer, breaking of bread, fellowship. They went to church. But then in chapter four, when it opens up, the uh, Pharisees are so angry because now, because this man was healed at the gate, beautiful, over 5,000 people gave their lives to Jesus Christ, joined the church, and man, the church was exploding. And they saw this thing come. And they said, we're gonna have to stop this. So they put these, pull these guys in and threatened him and told him never to preach again in the name of Jesus. And they told them, they said, whether to obey you or to obey God, here's the point. Whenever natural governments, national governments cross the line and start telling us what to do spiritually, we have a right to stand up and say no. And that's what they did. They said no, whether to obey you or to obey God, you have pitted us against God. All right. Uh, render under Caesar the things that are Caesar's, but unto God the things that are God. It's now come to a crossing point where you have crossed over to the things of God. You're trying to tell us what God has told us to do, and you're trying to tell us not to do it. So they said, no, sir, we're not going to do that. Whether to obey you or to obey God, we will not do that. And so uh, they threatened them again, and they went to their church. And here's the church service where they came and told everything that was told about them. In Acts chapter 4, take a look at verse 23 down through verse 31. It says, in being let go, this is when uh, they were released, Peter and John were released from the Pharisees and allowed to go back. They went to their own companions, their own company, it says the King James. In other words, church. Do you have your own company? Okay, do you have a church you can go to? Do you have those that you can fellowship with and go to them and report what's going on? They'll all agree with you in prayer. And that's what these guys did. It's important to have your own church to go to. And so they went and apparently there was a church service going on and being let go, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So when they had heard that, they raised their voices to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God, you made the governments and we're supposed to bow down to the government. So we're going to do what they say. No, that's not what they did. Notice what they said. They quoted scripture. They said, with one accord, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is, who by the mouth of your servant, David said, they're quoting from Psalm 2. Why did the heathen rage and the people plot a vain thing? Whenever the government comes against written scripture that is specific, here's what God says. The nations are raging. The people are plotting vain things. The kings of the earth took their stand. Counsel, it says in the King James, they've taken counsel and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ for truly against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate 
that with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. They could only do what you allowed them to do, but now God look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness, they may speak your word. We're going to go against them, defy them, and we're gonna believe that your anointing's gonna be upon us, your Holy Spirit's gonna be upon us, and we're gonna go boldly speak your word, and we're expecting signs and wonders. Verse 30, by stretching out your hand to heal and the signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Notice they said, you can't preach in the name of Jesus anymore. They said, we're not only gonna preach the name of Jesus. We're expecting signs and wonders to follow the name of Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. There was an earthquake right there under the building and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God with boldness. When it says they were filled with the Holy Spirit, it's a continuation of what happened in Acts chapter two. In the book of Ephesians, it tells us in chapter five, be filled with the spirit speaking. That word being filled means stay filled, be continually being filled. And this chapter says from what happened in Acts chapter two, they again begin to praise the Lord in other tongues, begin to speak to the Lord in church. And all of a sudden, then they went out and spoke the word of God with boldness. This is a quote from Psalm two. When we come back from halftime, we're gonna quote Psalm two, and we're gonna talk about what did David say. We're gonna take a look at how the Lord looks at what earthly kingdoms say. And you know, would you like to be a fly on the wall and know what Congress and Senate and all these are talking about, about the church, about Christians, and especially about Israel too? Those two things are what this earth is against. And Satan himself who backs the kingdoms of this world is against the church of Jesus Christ, of which that's gonna be taken out of the way, and replaced with believers from all over the earth because the church will be God. But on on the other hand, he's against Israel. We're gonna talk about that when we come back from the break, so I'll see you as soon as we get back. Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandy. And pastors, ministers, I know many of you would like to have some evening classes. Maybe you don't have enough in the congregation to really have fellowships, home groups, things like that. But this is the most important. This is supplemental the Word of God. I have a curriculum series, 10 30-minute uh, lessons on video, as well as my book on end times that goes along with it, a teaching on the subject of probably one that pastors fear the most is end times. Don't understand it. With all the different viewpoints today, I come back to the basic of what the Word of God says. There is a rapture of the church coming, and seven years later after that, Jesus is coming back to establish his millennial kingdom on this earth. And so much is taught in the Word of God about the simplicity of what God is saying. Once you understand it, then it seems like confusion is gone. If you'd like to do this, you might have a time where you do it over a two-week period, five nights a week, or spread it out into 10 weeks, whatever you would like to do. I know it'll be a great blessing to you. And on top of that, your congregation will come out smarter on the other end, and you'll look good because you brought it into the church. See about having this series just for yourself. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity and faithfulness, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed, or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit our website at bobyandian.com and click on Partnership. Understanding the end times, one of the most incredible and fascinating doctrines in the Word of God, will bring us comfort for the days in which we live. The Bible says we are to encourage and exhort one another with the knowledge of Jesus returning for His saints. In Understanding the End Times, Pastor Bob Yandian provides a thorough and exciting study to give you more revelation of these times in which we live. 
topics include the seven dispensations, the dispensation of the mystery, the rapture of the church, the judgment seat of Christ, Daniel's 70 weeks, the temple discourse, the tribulation, the second coming, the millennial reign of the Lord Jesus Christ. To order Understanding the End Times, visit bobyandian.com. Before the break, we quoted Acts chapter 4 and talked about when the disciples were brought in. After they were threatened to be beaten, and they told them, they said, we're going to go ahead and preach in the name of Jesus. They said, don't do that. And they said, no, we're going to. Whether to obey you or God, we're going to obey God. Then they went to church. And so we found this out in Acts chapter 4, verse 23 through 31. And now let's go to Psalm 2. And in Psalm 2, this is the verse they were quoting. They said, as David, your servant, said, and we're going to go to Psalm 2 and read what David said. While you're finding that, let me again just say to those of you who are uh, those who stay with me, those of you who walk with me, uh, fellowship with me through the, through the mail, all those who send and support me monthly, those of you who are my partners, thank you so much. And again, I, I couldn't do it without you. I know I say this all the time, but you know what? I daily thank you. Uh, whenever I go to prayer and, and ask the Lord for uh, to bless a food or anything inside of myself, I'm also asking the Lord, thank you for my partners, because you know what? You make it possible. In essence, you are the congregation and the faithful members of the congregation whenever I had a church. I mean, the, when, when Paul talks about the church at Ephesus and the church at Colossae and all that, he talked about to the to the saints and faithful brethren. Uh, those who watch my bro broadcast are probably most all of them saints. They know Jesus as Lord and Savior. But among the saints is a group called the faithful brethren. And my church had at one time some 3,000 people. And I can tell you not all of them were faithful brethren. Uh, we had a great number of people that attended, but out of that we had a, a segment, maybe some 25 or 30% that had helped support the church financially. These other might give from time to time, but those who faithfully stuck with me, those are the faithful. And I just want to say thank you to those who watch this broadcast, but especially to those that are faithful, that you continue monthly to continue to send in things. I cannot do it without you. You say, but you got God. That's right. But God works through people. He gives to me through people and I give back to God through people. If I give finances into some ministry, I give it through people. But ultimately it says in Hebrews chapter seven, there he receives them. That's the tithes and offering. The Lord Jesus receives them of whom it is witness that he ever lives. I'm giving it to a human being that's going to die one day, but God in heaven gives it to I me. Mean, it comes through Jesus. He's going to live forever and forever. And so again, thank you so much. If you'd like to be a partner with me, join this group of faithful individuals, men, women, young people, boys, girls that support this ministry, old people, young people. I just want to say, join it. All right, you can go to my website, bobyandian.com, and there you'll find a place where you can join me as a partner in this ministry. And I want to tell you, thank you ahead of time. I'm not telling you what to give. That's between you and God as you purpose in your heart or as the Holy Spirit leads you. In fact, before you put down that figure, what you're going to give money, just ask the Holy Spirit, what do you want me to give you? He'll tell you. And if he doesn't tell you, you say, well, you say he can tell me. There, there's sometimes when he doesn't speak, but what he's simply saying is, you can give what you want. I trust you. Okay, so just listen to him. If there's no figure that comes to you, then put down what you know you can give and just begin there. Thank you so much again. Look forward to hearing from you, bobyandian.com. Psalm 2, we're going to take a look at verses 1 through 6. And here, the Lord is saying, why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? This right now, it could describe our world. Though nations are raging and the people are thinking and plotting vain things, empty things, the kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against two things. Number one, against the Lord, Lord and his anointed. The Lord is the Lord Jesus Christ and his plans and his anointed are his people in the earth. Verse three, let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords. The word for cords here means chains. They said, let us break their bonds in pieces 
and cast away their chains from us. You know, when David wrote this, it was back in his day. This was going on in his day. Governments have not changed. They have two major enemies, Jesus Christ and his believers in this earth and Jesus Christ and his nation in this earth, which is Jerusalem, which is Israel. I want you to understand something. There is no nation on this earth that is eternal except for one nation and that is Israel. The United States is not eternal. England's not eternal. There's been some that have been here like Rome that have been here for thousands of years, but you know what? They are not eternal. Only the nation of Israel is eternal. And that's where Jesus Christ is going to come and rule and reign from. That's where the temple's going to be. And he'll rule and reign from there forever. And after a thousand years of reigning in the millennium, the earth is going to be renovated. Heaven's going to come down and rest over Israel, over Jerusalem. And Jesus is calling this the new Jerusalem. It was here from the time of Abraham. Chapter 14 of the book of Genesis tells us that Abraham met Melchizedek and Melchizedek was the king of Salem. Salem was Jerusalem. Jerusalem. And Jerusalem existed at that time, early in the Bible. We don't know when Jerusalem started. It just has. And so that's where God chose to to place his people. So it says in verse three, here's what the governments are saying. You want to know what's going on behind the scenes? What's going on in Congress, the Senate, in those halls where they discuss all these things for their future plans? Here's what they're saying. Let's break the bonds of those who are Christians. Let's cast away their chains from us because they hold us back all the time. They slow us down. Folks, you know what the church is today? We are the mud the world has to swim through to get anything done. We slow down everything. Have they made progress? Has Satan made progress? Have governments made progress against Christians and against Israel? The answer is yes, but they will not win. They're going to be beaten by Jesus Christ. And here's the point. Our job will not be to totally stop them. We are to slow them down. We are the ones who stand in front of them and slow them down no matter what they do. Like I said, we're the mud they swim through to get anything done. Verse four, he who sits in the heavens shall laugh. Listen to what they're saying. Oh, the church. Oh, Christians, oh, Israel, let's break their bonds and let's stop them. God sits in the heavens and laughs. Because why? He's the fly on the wall for us. He's the fly on the wall that wrote this to tell us what they're saying. You say, well, what are they saying today? I mean, you know, 3,000 years later, the same thing. Exactly the same thing. That's what they're saying behind the scenes. It says in verse four, he who sits in the heavens will laugh and the Lord shall hold them in derision. You know what the word derision means? When you deride somebody, you make fun of them. God's in heaven. Jesus sitting next to him on the throne and God the Father say, did you hear that? They're gonna overthrow Christians. They're gonna overthrow the church of which I said the gates of hell would not prevail against He said, did you hear that? And he's punching Jesus and Jesus saying, yeah, I heard that. They're laughing and deriding and making fun. Oh, let's break their chains. Let's get rid of them. And they laugh and make fun of them. It says in the rest of that verse there, the Lord shall hold them in derision and then he shall speak to them in his wrath. Because after the laughing, after the deriding, after making fun of them, his anger rises up and says, he shall speak to them in his wrath and distress them in his deep displeasure. Verse six, yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion, even back there, Jesus Christ, who was seated next to the Lord in heaven, God, as spirit being only, was going to come one day, come to this earth, take on a human body, be resurrected, sit back in that place in a human body, and then one day come back and sit on the throne in Israel. And verse six says, I've set my king on the holy hill of Zion. He hasn't done it yet, but as far as God's concerned, it's a done deal. I have past tense set my king on my holy hill of Zion. In other words, it's going to come to pass your plans contradict my plans and my plans are going to win. Your plans are going to go down. First of all, let me just say in these verses of scripture, I'm going to come back and and kind of amplify what's been said here. But as a minister, I receive so many urgent requests. 
for years as I pastored, and I still get them today. Stand up for this, stand up for that. Please make your phone calls, uh, uh, sign this petition, all that. And I do, but I understand one thing. Ultimately, Bob's not gonna stop all this. I'm gonna do, uh, listen, I'm gonna be mud till Jesus Christ comes back as far as this government's concerned and world government's concerned. Welcome, I'm mud. I'm going to be the one you have to move through and slow you down tremendously to try to get anything done. And so as a minister, I receive again, urgent requests asking me to ask immediately, act immediately immediately about an upcoming government regulation about to be imposed against Christians of the local churches of America or also Israel. And these requests are for congressional petitions, phone call initiatives, letter writing campaigns to congressmen, senators, legislators. The opinion seems to be if the church doesn't act, we'll surely lose our nation. Listen, the church does act and we're slowing everything down. And I can tell you this, eventually we're going to lose this country because the United States is not a permanent nation. Only Israel is an eternal nation that will always be here. All other nations, there's going to come a day if the, listen, if United States survives anyway and goes into the tribulation, it will be minus the Christians that are here. We are the salt of this nation. We are the one who slows them down. We are the mud they swim through, not the average citizen in this country. But yes, we should still vote. In fact, Listen, if, if, there's a, if there's a good person running for office, get behind them. Support them financially. Support them with your prayer. Go down there and volunteer and work for them. Or open up yourself to God saying, Lord, do you want me to run? Because we need, again, good disciples in office. But even then, we're not going to change the direction of the world. It is set according to the word of God. But in the meantime, every day we are here is one more day to receive Jesus Christ and to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ for others to be born again. So I don't believe in sitting back and doing nothing, expecting God to do everything about our nation. No, we have a responsibility. And it's found in the word of God, our responsibility to our nation. I do write. I make phone calls. I call congressmen and senators. And I have my uh, congressional offices that I come in contact with. I have my, at the time when I pastored, I had my congregation do the same. From time to time, when I sense an urgency about a situation, this is part of our national responsibility and privilege, especially in the United States of America. But I don't believe that letters, phone calls, voting, backing candidates and petitions alone will deliver our nation. No, it takes God in heaven and concerned Christians to send the letters, all those different things. But what's going to happen is Jesus Christ is going to come back. We're told again to pray for our leaders to be saved and come to the full knowledge of the truth. First Timothy 2, 2. So how do you pray? Usually Christians are praying for petitions. They're praying for uh, congressional acts that are coming up. They're, coming, they're praying for certain bills that are coming up. And that's all right to do that. But the Bible says pray for them, first of all, to come to know Jesus. When's the last time you took some very liberal senator uh, a woman, a man, uh, a congressman or something hugely liberal. I mean, influencing this nation totally in the wrong direction. And usually we pray, well, Lord, get them out. Let's get somebody good in there. Why don't you pray for them to receive Jesus? Why don't you pray for them to come to the full knowledge of the truth and become a disciple of the Lord Jesus? Pray for open doors for those that are around them to minister to them. Hold back demonic powers by uh, stopping Satan and simply coming against them. Say, Lord, I break the blindness that's over them. I break the blindness of Satan that's over them. And I ask the name of Jesus, their heart be open to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. Because why? We need mature believers to run for office. This is so important. This is what we're to pray for. So we pray for them, again, to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior and come to the full knowledge of the truth. But I know what some of you are thinking. Yeah, but these guys are so far gone. I don't think they are going to get saved. I, I Listen, I think they're so far gone. We need to get them out of office and vote them out of office, get somebody else in there. But I'm not going to pray for them to be saved because they are too far gone. Well, you know how many said that about Saul of Tarsus? 
He was further gone than these people. These people aren't killing thousands and thousands of Christians, but Saul of Tarsus was, and yet he got saved. And you talk about probably people saying, if anybody doesn't get saved, it's gonna be him. He will never get saved. Again, we need mature believers for to run for office. And we also need mature believers. And if that means getting somebody saved and then getting the word of God into them, having those around them help to mentor them and mature them and disciple them, that will be it again. But God doesn't wring his hands over past or current legislation in Washington. In fact, he's in heaven rejoicing, rejoicing because he sees the end. His son will rule and reign over this earth. And on that day, the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and forever. Listen, this is just good stuff. We'll continue it tomorrow. So until tomorrow, have a great day. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts by visiting our website at bobyandian.com. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. If you would like to contact Bob Yandian Ministries, visit bobyandian.com and click on Contact. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.